Hello, and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, coming to you from two SER studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Broadcast right around Australia on the Community Radio Network and around the world wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. For many of us, the complexity and significance of global supply chains is something that largely goes unnoticed. That is until something goes wrong. Unforeseen global events like the pandemic and the war in Ukraine have placed unprecedented levels of pressure on our supply chains, leading to things like good shortages, delays and drastic cost increases. Today on the show, we're looking at how global supply chains work, how they've been impacted and how we can mitigate risk and build resilience into the global supply chain system to avoid the massive disruptions we've seen over the last two years. Joining me in the studio is Sanjoy Paul, Senior Lecturer and Program Director of the Master of Strategic Supply Chain Management at the UTS Business School. Sanjoy, thanks so much for joining me today here on Think Business Futures. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Now, Let's talk about the structure of supply chains and supply chain management as it is a very complex global system. Can you explain to us a bit about how supply chains work? The supply chain, if you think about general people, they buy products from retail stores. But where that products are coming? So that's mean as a general people, we don't know. Maybe it, it is producing in overseas and it is distributing here in Australia. Mm. We have suppliers, suppliers, themselves have their suppliers. So the products are moving from supplier to suppliers and ending to the consumption to general people. Mm. And that makes a chain and we call it a supply chain. Mm. But in reality, it is a very difficult and complex process because if you see the structure of a supply chain, it could be domestic or it could be global. So if you uh, produce a product in Australia, and distribute within Australia, that is a very simple process because it is a very short supply chain and you can manage it very difficultly. But nowadays, what we see, the supply chain becomes very global. You don't produce every product here Mm. because you don't have materials, you don't have labor support, or you may not have that cost advantages here. So you subcontract those activities to overseas suppliers. Mm. And that creates complexities. Your overseas suppliers will make that products for you and will send to you and you will sell here. So that's mean what's happening over there, you don't know. And who are the suppliers of your suppliers? You don't know. That is something, there is a lack of transparency. We can't monitor them. Because of that lack of transparency and communication between global suppliers and within Australian manufacturer or suppliers or buyers that create a very complex environment. Mm. And the management process of this supply chain become very complex when you have more than one suppliers. For example, you have hundreds of suppliers in overseas. Mm. You have hundreds of distribution channels, hundreds of transport mechanisms you have sitting here. And, you know, products are coming, going every minute. The flow of products become very complex itself. Without any sophisticated mechanism, softwares and quantitative tools, it is hard to manage. Mm. If you take any arbitrary arbitrary decision here, 
within supplies and management process, that could be wrong. Mm. So that's why you need expert who can use scientific tools and a process to make decision and you know manage this supply chain process more more effective and efficient. And we called it efficient supply chain planning. Okay. Yes, supply chain is a is a very complex process, but there are some scientific tools and a process as well to deal with that. Okay, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I think one of the fascinating things that I learned, you know, researching for for this show was I looked at the example of an e-bike because I had a friend that was sort of waiting on an e-bike that that he had ordered that was taking a long, long time to be produced. Now, I, I'd heard about the semiconductor or chip shortage and didn't even realize what that meant, but we're talking about microchips that contain raw materials like copper and silicon, and then they're talking about parts that are made out of titanium, other parts that are made out of carbon, other parts that are made out of steel. You've got the tire, the rubber in the tires and things like that, and all these components of an e-bike come from all sorts of different places and are assembled in one factory in another part of the world and then make their way to Australia. So... When we talk about these supply chains, I just found that a really useful example of how complex it is and how one component of these products, like an e-bike, when that is in short supply, it means that the customer on the other end has to wait for months and months and months to, to get their products. That is, a, I would say, long-lasting issue in supply chain. So getting delayed delivery, it is not uncommon. It's happening since beginning of this process. Mm. There are many uncertainties involved. For example, there could be failure in supplier ends. There could be failure in collecting raw materials from any sources because, as you said, there are many types of raw materials involved. When talking about raw materials, it's not a single raw materials. It could be hundreds of raw materials. And if one of them has shortage, it will impact the entire process. You have copper ready, you have platinum ready, but you don't have rubber ready. Mm. So you cannot make your... Uh, e-bike but delay definitely is a is not an uncommon issue and recently we have been seeing this delay in delivery or delay in manufacturing is quite significant because of the risk we have seen so far at the beginning of 2020 COVID-19 impacted and there were lots of international border closure factory closed down social dis- distancing lack of skilled manpower and it impacted not only manufacturer, it impacted every suppliers. You, you can see this COVID-19 is still impacting. Yeah, absolutely. So if you see last two years, gradually demand increasing, but we don't have supply. We have shortage of supply coming from different suppliers. Mm. And ultimately that led to this delay now because it's accumulating. Mm. All the delays and disruption is accumulating and ultimately impacting significantly now and that making significant delay yeah. in, in everything. It's not only in manufacturing, entire supply chain is now suffering. It is the reality now mm. that every process is now in, in, in a very tight situation. Absolutely. And uh, let's, let's start by sort of identifying the weaknesses in the system and some of the risks that were always there and that we maybe took for granted heading into global crises like COVID and the war in Ukraine? Supply chain risk is not a new topic. As you said, risk was always there. Then why not we managing this risk now? Why we failed? 
I would say we failed so far. There was some reason for that. First of all, the impacts of COVID was exceptional, very extraordinary. Mm. It created multidimensional impacts and simultaneous impacts. The impacts came from all sides at the same time. That means your supply failed, demand increased, transportation failed, shortage of manpower, operational activities. It impacted at the same time. And that created a very unique situation for the entire supply chain. And we never seen this kind of situation before. But though it was a challenge, we could handle it. Mm. But there are some weakness in supply chain. For example, are we ready? Did you do enough to prepare our supply chain? The answer is no. Because we always make cost-effective decisions. Not focusing on creating redundancy or flexibility or resiliency in the system. And that is the most weakness in our system. So we need to now think differently. What we could do and what we could do better to improve the resiliency in the entire process. Just before we move on to building resilience, I just want to flesh out a little bit more about what these weaknesses are and what they mean. Because you mentioned how businesses are always looking for cost-effective solutions. But what does this look like? What does a cost-effective solution from a business look like that puts risk into the supply chain? Yes. Okay. So cost-effective decision is you want to minimize cost on everything. For example, if you have few suppliers, they could supply your raw material. But you went to that supplier, they are cheaper, but they are not reliable. And they could fail at any time. But you did not care for that. Because you found them cheaper, you went there. At the end, what you would find, your product quality is low. And they are, as they are not reliable they will fail a few times. And that will lead supply failure. Mm. And that will create complexities in your system because they failed. It is not your failure. But it is your failure to make take the right decision. This is a very simple example of weakness about money. Only decision focusing on money. Mm. It, is, it should not be the main criteria to make a decision. There should be other criteria. For example, I said reliability, flexibility, reputation, goodwill, quality. Did you consider all of this? If you don't consider, your supply chain would be very weak. Mm. And I think it's important to just remember something that we said at the start, which is supply chains are so complex that it only takes one thing to fail in in that supply chain and, and you can have really, really significant delays. Okay, let's move on to what can be done better. Before we start with the idea of resilience and recovery from disruption, let's, let's, let's define what supply chain resilience means and what it looks like. So supply chain resilience, is the meaning is how resilient you are to deal with any impacts coming to you. How resilient you are, it depends on your strategies. How much you are prepared, how quickly you can respond and how sophisticated plan you can make for recovery. Mm. And if you fail in any stage, because these all three are well connected, without preparedness, you cannot think about your recovery. Because suddenly you think about recovery, but you don't know what you need to do. So that's why you need to be well prepared, and also you need to act very quickly to respond to any 
incident happened on your supply chain mm. and if you fail to do that that could be a disastrous as well mm. so in terms of preparedness you need to have your risk management framework that means all the strategies all the scenarios of risk hypothetically you designed for all possible scenarios and bring all the strategies ready and you make your supply chain ready to implement those strategies okay and what does that actually look like though like let's let's take an example i mean for example if we're looking at the e-bike that we were talking about earlier you know having multiple suppliers for different raw materials or different components and things like that being able to have components made at multiple different locations in case there are disruptions in one location and and that hinders supply. What are some of the other ways that this type of resilience can be built into manufacturing, whether it's an e-bike or a car or a consumer product of any other type? Yes. So that is a good question because when you're talking about resiliency, it is not resilient for manufacturer only. Mm. It is resiliency for entire supply chain. That's when your suppliers yourself your distribution even your retailers and customers strategies could be different for different industry if i give an example of you buying raw materials from your suppliers to produce that e-bike if your one supplier failed what is your alternative plan if you don't think about it before your disruption happened then that's mean you are not ready so before any disruption happened you need to think about if this happened what would be my plan so that is your preparedness so if you think instead of having one supplier for rubber you could have two suppliers or you could have one backup supplier ready so this is kind of information you need to keep ready mm. who are those where you can go quickly to respond to any event mm. so you can see connection between preparedness and response if you don't have information ready you cannot respond in every stage of supply chain not only dealing with suppliers for example you have a machine failure within your manufacturing what would be your alternative plan did you think about it before that machine failure happened if you don't think that's mean you are not ready mm. so you need to think every possible risk scenario before it happened then make your plan ready so for example your demand is now for example 200 units per day now your machine capacity is 250 units but what would happen if your demand increased to 300 do you have enough capacity to produce 300 hmm. did you think about it before it happened if you don't you are not ready hmm. so that's when every single activities in your entire supply chain not only in manufacturing it should be your entire chain every detail you need to identify and you need to find alternative scenarios if something happened what could be your alternative plan I mean we it sort of comes back to cost in a way because it sounds like putting together a risk management framework that deals with every contingency between the whole supply chain which we've established is very complicated it sounds like putting this together takes a lot of resources it requires quite a lot of investment from an organization in human resources and you know whether it's backup stock or the capacity of machines and things like that to invest into ensuring this type of supply chain resilience now before covid-19 we had a pretty good period there was a long period of relative stability no major wars between you know major countries no pandemics and things like that 
do companies see, I mean, when you're talking about a period of stability, do companies see the the positives in investing these types of resources into supply chain resilience? Or does it take something like a pandemic or a war to identify that the investment is worthwhile? It's a good psychological question. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So when we have stability, we are in good situation, we don't think about risk. We, are, we don't think about resiliency at that point of time. But reality is who spend money and prepare themselves and spend money for resources, they are doing better during this COVID-19 pandemic. So risk could be common or uncommon or could be simple risk or extraordinary risk. Your resilience will help. So that's why during your good time, that's mean stable time, you should think about your resiliency. That is the good time. Because when something impacted, hit on you, you don't have enough time to think about it because you don't have enough possible options available then because you did not make it ready. So that's why, yes, very unfortunately, uh, we did have a good time, but maybe we did not take that opportunity to prepare ourselves. Mm. So that is a significant drawback in our entire supply chain. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I've I've heard the two the, the sort of differences between a pre pre COVID supply chain system. They talk about this quote just in time supply chain management structure, which is about these short term contracts about you know having one supplier and saving money. But yeah. instead of this just in time, they talk about moving towards a just in case model, which means better resilience and flexibility yeah. and ways ways to adapt to yeah. shifting global markets and 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 supply chain disruption. Yeah. There's a lot of impacts that continue today. Uh, recent lockdowns in Shanghai which deals with huge amounts of shipping logistics. Oh. The war in Ukraine continues. Oh. How can resilience and the strategies that you mention help us recover? from these types of disruptions? Yeah, we see these continuing impacts of risk of COVID-19. At the same time, we have seen the impacts of Shanghai lockdown and also war in Ukraine. While we started recovering from the COVID-19, if you see the situation back in 2020, early 2020, and now the situations are different. That means we have passed the stage of lockdown. We, are, we have started recovering. But definitely that Shanghai and Ukraine or Shanghai lockdown and Ukraine were again created a tumbling situation in, in supply chain because we started recovering, but it is not well a smooth recovery. Now the question is how supply chain resilience could help mm. in this recovery process. When we had a shortage of toilet papers, we have seen a, an extreme shortage. But why that a shortage created at that time? Retailers frequently said there was no shortage in manufacturing. They have enough a stock. Mm. Then why we did not see that collaborative impact from our retailers, though they are competitors? But in a crisis moment, you should forget about competitions. 
you should come under one umbrella, make a competition situation. That's mean collaboration bet- within competitors. Mm. And take national strategies to deal with those kind of extraordinary you know, impacts we have seen. But that did not happen. And that was the reason, one of the reasons we have seen many critical situations for many products. And other things, when you have resiliency only for your manufacturing system, for example, it will not be helpful. That means your resiliency should be your entire system. Mm. So if you are a big manufacturer, what did you do to prepare your suppliers? Did you develop? Did you help them to develop? So this is something we should think about it. So if you think about my own industry or own company, it will be in trouble at the end of the day. Mm. So you need to now work with your stakeholders, not only from your supply side, it should be your demand side as well. Come together and create a collaborative environment and create an adaptive supply chain. That means if any situation happened or any crisis moment arised, your partners will come to help all together. I would say a good example of Toyota, they had that kind of situation. Okay. And they created adaptive supply chain. Is there, if there is any crisis moment, their suppliers are ready to help for any situation. Okay. And that is a good example to learn about it. Why Australian industries or retailers are not sitting together, thinking as a as a, as a one problem, not individual problems, and then work together to deal with this difficult uh, situation coming from these extraordinary disruptions we have seen. There's so many lessons to be learnt from these disruptions. Do you think big companies will learn these lessons and will have a new model as we recover from these huge impacts on the supply chain? I think yes, they should. And I believe that was a great learning as well. So yes, uh, we should learn from our mistakes. And to move forward, there is no other way than creating resiliency. Also, other things, we as a academic researchers, we research on many things, including this resiliency and different tools and approaches and scientific tools. But we don't see a good collaboration between academics and industry. Whatever we invented, whatever tools, scientific tools, we have for supply chain planning and recovery process that could be implemented if we have that support but there is a lack of communication lack of collaboration but we are ready to help voluntarily if mm. they, someone want to implement that process and that strategies and the tools we have invented so far okay um we're going to start wrapping up this this is sort of no longer on the subject of uh, supply chain resilience, but I know that our listeners will want to hear your opinion on it. How long is it going to take for us to get back to normal when it comes to this supply chain issue? You know, when are we going to be able to order a piece of furniture or a <laughs> new fridge or whatever it might be? And 
when they tell you how long it's going to take for it to arrive, you can kind of trust that because trust in, in that yeah. system has, has completely failed. <laughs> yeah, you are talking about a very ideal situation. That means there is no risk, there is very stable system, and we we can do it everything normally. But world has changed. The politics, the uh, risk pattern you could see now, it's now becoming a big problem for our supply chain because our supply chain is now global. So we need to deal with other countries. And I don't think it would be normal in near future. It will continue for a long time. What are I, we talking, years? Definitely, it's more than years. Yeah, okay. It's, it would be more than years. So there's a lot of changes to be made, a lot of changes on the way. Yeah. My concern is that we may not see that stable situation anytime soon. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't want to end on a. Uh, I don't want to end on a, on a negative note. So let's 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 finish off with this. Do you think that? What do you think that once we do sort of move to this new place, as companies start to recognise the importance of their supply chain resilience and things do change following COVID and these wars, what's what's it going to do to things like product quality and product availability? Yes, every risk has impact on quality and availability. So that's why there are some models we developed. We could implement it, and that would help. That will help to determine the optimal level of a stock you should keep to make sure your product is available a certain percentage of time. It could be ninety-five percent. It could be ninety-nine percent. So it is entirely up to you to make a decision. But in this risk environment, uncertain environment, I would say those kind of tools are really effective. Yes, quality is a big concern now, but in my opinion, we should not compromise quality. Mm. As a reputation of the company, if you want to do business for a long time, if you want to survive in future, your quality should be should be at the higher level, highest okay. level as, as possible. Okay. Finally then, you've mentioned that it will take a long time to recover, mm -hmm. but do you think that once we do and once you know companies have learnt the lessons of COVID and international supply chain disruptions and have implemented different strategies, things will be better overall? Yes, I'm hopeful. And I can see that we already, as I said, we already started recovery, but recovery has been impacted again because of other external issues we have seen. Mm. But I can see it will recover slowly. Maybe at the beginning it would be slow. When we have more you know, stable system, more certain system, then we'll see that recovery will propagate it and speed up. And at the end, it will be stable after a certain year. But yes, we are recovering. Okay, great. Well, that's all we have time for. Sandro, thank you so much for joining me on Think Business Futures. Thanks, Stephen, for having me, and you have a good day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guest, Sandro Paul. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week, and please support the show by leaving a review. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.